You guys, I asked Charlie like two weeks ago, is there any way we can do Coolio as the walk-up music instead of Indiana Jones? And he was like, no, it's copyright. And I was like, oh, well, my husband's a lawyer, so I feel like I would take the fall for this one if the church gets sued by Coolio's estate. It would be worth it to me because that was so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, here we go. That's a great way to start us off. My name is Allie. We are so glad you're here. If you are new or it's been a while and you're like me, you're maybe a little more sporadic in your attendance. We're just glad you're here. Welcome. We are starting this year off journeying through Psalm 23. And if you would, we've got Bibles in the pews in front of you. We're going to read through it together. Or you can follow along um, with me on the screens. I have so much adrenaline now. Just like hearing, like it's just, it was so fun. All right, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. God makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside quiet waters. God refreshes my soul. God guides me along the right paths for God's name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is one of the most iconic passages in all of scripture, particularly the verse that we're going to focus on today, which is verse 4. NIV translates this a little differently if you've seen your Bibles, but I'm using the valley of the shadow of death because it's so common. We know this phrase. We've heard this phrase. So verse 4 is, again, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We hear this in history. We hear this in literature. We hear this in poetry. We hear this in pop culture. We hear this in hip-hop. I want you to know this is a real thing. This has been, Gangster's Paradise has been my head for a month, you guys. Every time I hear this, this is what I hear. So if this is you, and now it should all be you, this is a safe space. It's a safe space. I want you to know that's okay. Uh, I mean, the genius of 90s hip-hop aside, we talk a lot about shepherds and sheep. We hear this in scripture. We talk about this a lot. This is a very common image. Exhibit A. We gather under this every single week. How many of you even, like, think that this is a shepherd? Like, we're doing this whole series on the shepherd. Here he is. Like, we talk about this a lot. But knowing about the idea of shepherds and sheep is very different than actually being familiar with the reality of shepherds and sheep. How many of you have been in the Judean wilderness watching a shepherd tend sheep? A few. That's fun. Okay. All right, not a lot, though. It's not like our typical context. Like, you probably didn't see it when you were driving in here. Like, we just don't, we don't really, like, like this would be like me referring to the Broncos, but I'm talking to the Broncos that won the, about the Broncos won the Super Bowl 10 years ago. And in my mind, that's what I'm talking about, but you're thinking about the Broncos now. We're talking about two very different things. Like, we just need the context here. This is really important. An example of this is something that I learned when I was researching for this sermon. When you think about shepherds in the Old Testament, New Testament, kind of biblical times and today, do you think, raise your hand if you think they're mostly young men. That's what I thought. Mostly young men. What if, do you, raise your hand if you think they're mostly young women. 
10 points for Carol. Like it is, they're mostly young women. Yet who has ever heard a a sermon on that? The shepherdesses, they're mostly young women. The idea is that this is a family business, and so the the patriarch of the family kind of owns the sheep, but it's the girls who are out tending the sheep in the fields. Scholars tend to think that David was actually out there first with his sisters. And what little boys or little siblings would do is they would be in charge of the slingshot with the rocks to kind of keep the sheep on the path, and that's how they think he got so good with a slingshot. It's not fun. Like, who knew that? I didn't know that. Charlie and I actually went, like, really deep into this because we were like, there's no way that's true. Why have we never heard that? And you heard 68% currently of shepherds are women. Not mind-blowing? Like, we just don't know this. And that's the point of talking about the context. We talk, and then you go back and you look at it. Genesis talks about Rachel is a shepherdess when Jacob meets her. Zipporah, Moses' wife, is also a shepherdess. In Song of Solomon, we see the woman is tan from being out in the fields with her goats. It's, so you see this, but we're not familiar with this context, so it goes right over our heads. And why we talk about this is because Psalm 23 gives us this incredible picture of who God is and how God provides for us, how God nurtures us, how God protects us. But without the context, we'll miss that. We'll miss the richness of what it's actually saying, which means we won't truly understand what Jesus is doing when he applies this to himself, when he calls himself the good shepherd. And the context is especially critical for verse 4. Verse 4 is the turning point in the narrative journey, and actually it's the heart of this entire psalm. So Stephen and Charlie have beautifully highlighted how the first three verses of this psalm tell us that God is a shepherd that we can trust. We can trust God to take care of us. We can trust God to provide for us. We can trust God to look after us. And we can trust God to lead us. Those are the first three verses. And when we get to verse 4, we see the turning point here. Psalm 23 is set up with a structure that we see a lot. We see this a lot in the Psalms. We see this a lot in the prophetic literature of Scripture. I'm going to call it the prophetic rhetorical template. It's a little bit different than a, in a chiasm. So we're talking prophetic rhetorical template, which means it's in an inverted structure. So the main point comes in just past the middle. We're used to like these big ascent structures where there's like this huge climactic ending and then it's done. Jewish literature tends to go more like a labyrinth. Like we go in, we hit the midpoint, that's the main point, then we walk, we walk it back out. And so you'll see things start to repeat after this midpoint, but the midpoint is where the key phrasing happens. That's where the author's like, pay attention to this thing. This is what I'm trying to tell you. And the key movement that happens just past the center is the psalmist declaration in the second part of verse 4. So we start off, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's the key point. For you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's that connection between the first person and the second person. I don't fear because you are here. You are with me. The sheep's only hope is the presence of the shepherd with them. Sheep are kind of unique in the animal kingdom in in that they're, like, totally vulnerable. They have zero defenses, really. Like, they don't have claws or, like, 
anything like they can use as an offensive weapon, like a tail, they can like, even like little like lizards have stuff they can do here. Sheep, sheep got nothing. They have horns sometimes, but they're not really like a weapon. My kids have been having fun with this. We don't say butt in our house. And so when I'm saying like the sheep can butt each other, they have been loving that this week that they'll like try and butt each other. But even that, that's like something they do to other sheep. It's not really super effective against like a wolf or a bear <laughs> or a lion. The sheep's only security that they have comes from the shepherd. And when we're talking about Psalm 23, we're talking about sheep and shepherds in a very specific place. We're talking about the Judean wilderness. And when I hear wilderness, I'm from Colorado. I think of mountains. I think of more of our context. Here's the context that we're talking about. Charlie set this up so beautifully talking about verse 2 a couple of weeks ago. When we're talking green pastures and quiet waters, we're not talking these lush, grassy, green meadows with babbling brooks. We're talking this. This is like the sand dunes over here. Like it's not, it is dry. It is hot. It is harsh. It is rugged. It is rocky. This is what most scholars tend to think is the valley of the shadow that David was referring to. It's called the Wadi Kelt. It's about 17 miles stretch outside of between Jerusalem and Jericho. And we've got a lot of rocky hills. We've got a lot of really steep ravines. One of my favorite podcasts right now is called the Bema Podcast. If you listen to this, B-E-M-A, yes, yes. It's so good. If you don't listen to it, listen to it. B-E-M-A. Marty Solomon is one of the guys who leads it. It's just, it's all about the context of scripture, word studies. It's so, so good. But he t- Marty Solomon talks about the desert as the place of just enough. This is not the place where we've got provision for 30 minutes from now, even. This is provision for right now, right this minute, just enough. And we see this in scripture. God brings God's people into this desert, into this wilderness, to teach them to learn how to trust God, how to trust in God's provision, because literally you don't have anything else out here. You can't trust in yourself out here. You can't trust in the environment out here. You can only trust in the shepherd with you here. You guys know I love Lent. It's coming up. I'm getting excited already. We're going to spend all of Lent with the Israelites in the wilderness. I don't know if that's like a perk for you or you're maybe going to skip all of Lent, but come because it's going to be so good. We're going to talk a lot about wilderness, about desert, about this idea of learning to trust in the desert. But for today, what I want us to understand is that the context of Psalm 23 is this desert wilderness. And that matters because when we get this beautiful depiction of the abundance of life with God in Psalm 23, it comes in the context of desert. And that matters because when we understand that, we can see what the psalmist is trying to tell us. David is trying to say the abundance comes from the shepherd. The abundance comes from the shepherd. Here are sheep in their environment. When David's talking about sheep, you're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. These are the sheep grazing in the the green pastures here. And this is like pretty green for that time, right? Like this is, there's actually like a lot of green here comparatively. And so this is what, this is the sheep we're talking about. They are not content because they have all the grass in the world. 
They're not content because they have all the water that they're going to need for their whole lives here. The provision doesn't come from the place. The provision comes from the shepherd. These sheep are also like just regular sheep. They're not like uniquely adapted to this environment. They're not like mountain goats. The provision doesn't come from the place, and the provision doesn't come from the sheep. They can't rely on themselves out here. Their only provision, their only protection, the only hope that they have of survival is the shepherd's presence with them. The shepherd is the one that's going to help them. The shepherd is the one that's going to take care of them. Here's another image of the Wadi Kelt so we can get a feel for, like, we're talking steep, you guys. Like, this is, we recently flew back from California, and we were over the Grand Canyon. My kids are like, it doesn't look that big. I'm like, well, that's because we're pretty high. You know, like, it's, pr- it's, pretty, it's pretty big. Like, there's a reason it's called the Grand Canyon. My son's like, I could hike that. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm sure you could. But this is like, this gives us like a little sense of like, we're talking steep ravines here. So when we're in these valleys, again, this is super dry. These valleys are deep. They get cut by this water. They're very, very deep. This is broad daylight. And you can see how dark it can get in the middle of the day in some of these valleys. The valley of the shadow of death is an actual shepherding term that they use when they're out after dark or they're in one of these like really deep ravines. And they use it because it's a very dangerous place to be if you're a shepherd with a sheep, with a bunch of sheep. You do not want to be in the shadow of death. It's not a place that you would go willingly. There's all kinds of threats here. We've got wild animals. We've got bandits and robbers that will come try and take your sheep. We've got even just like flash floods. If for some reason it were to rain, again, this ground is so dry, it's not going to suck up the water. The water is going to go fast. There's, I was reading all about all these tourist groups that have died in this area because these floods come fast and they're in these ravines and you have nowhere to go. You cannot get out. You've also got just, again, this is rocky terrain. Sheep don't have like little gecko feet. Like they're pretty good on their feet, but they can still slip. So as a shepherd, there's all kinds of dangers here. And the sheep, again, they don't have tools for these, but the shepherd does. The shepherd does. And David tells us about two of these tools in verse 4, the second part of verse 4. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we can think of a shepherd's rod as a way to prod sheep, or I never grew up hearing this, but I'm he- I've, I'm, who heard about the rod as like the shepherd would use the rod to break the sheep's legs? That's a scary God. <laughs> like who wants to be alone with that God? Like it's, this is, I guess, it's like a serious thing people talk about is that the shepherd would use the rod to break the sheep's legs. That's not true. We don't, shepherds do not use the rod on the sheep. They use the rod to protect the sheep from other animals or like a thieves or somebody trying to take the sheep. It's an offensive weapon that protects the sheep. It's about a two and a half foot like club-like kind of weapon and it's got an end kind of like a mace with like iron pieces sometimes embedded into it. It's no joke. Like, they use this to protect the sheep. And we know that David wrote Psalm 23 out of his own experience of being a shepherd. And we see that when we start to cross-reference what David says to Saul in 1 Samuel 17. If you want, we're going to bounce around a little bit. You guys know I love to bounce around in Scripture. But we've got, um, when he's, David is talking to Saul about Goliath. Goliath's like, I don't know, man. Like, he's pretty big. 
And David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I always forget David was a guy who'd like seen some stuff. Like this, like he killed a lion and a bear. Like no wonder he's like, yeah, I got this slingshot. It's going to be fine. Like it is, I mean, this is what he's talking about. Like it reminds us that the shepherds have to be someone who can protect these sheep. So when the sheep have security, it's because the shepherd is, is capable of protecting them. So the rod's used to protect the sheep, while the staff is used to care for the sheep. Staff is what we typically think of when we think of a shepherd, like this long, kind of five-foot-ish um, walking stick with a crook on the end. It's what we see in our little stained glass back here. They're never without this. But this is used to kind of help the sheep Particularly in this environment, we've got rocky hills, steep ravines. A rod, uh, not the rod, the staff can be used to kind of help sheep get down. If we have a sheep that's stuck, if you've got a sheep like me that's kind of like scared of heights, they could like help them down. Um, I get sweaty palms just like looking at that, those ravines. I don't like that kind of stuff. Um, But it would have been invaluable when you're walking in this area because of how it can help sheep, the staff. And so the sheep security in the valleys comes not just from the tools, but it also comes from the presence of the shepherd themselves. What is the main tool that the shepherd uses to lead the sheep? No? Voice. It's their voice. Whether they're in front of the sheep or behind the sheep, the shepherd leads with their voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. If you have like hundreds of sheep, a shepherd can go in with a specific voice or a specific call and just their sheep will come out. The sheep will follow the shepherd's voice anywhere. They will walk right off a cliff if the shepherd's voice is taking them off a cliff. And people love to talk about like, oh, sheep are so dumb. Like, look, they just walk right off the cliff. You know what sheep are? Sheep are trusting. They are bonded to that shepherd. Charlie was telling me if a shepherd dies and they don't like transfer their sheep, the sheep will just scatter because they no longer have the voice to follow. Sheep are trusting of their shepherd. They will follow their shepherd anywhere because they believe that their shepherd will take care of them. And what's really fun is when shepherds find themselves in a valley of the shadow, typically if they're leading from behind with their voice or in front of with their voice, what they will do in these valleys is they will walk in the middle of the flock. They will go in the middle So the flock goes around them, and they'll walk that way in these valleys. Does that give you any picture of maybe a New Testament God who moves into the neighborhood? Do you see how cool the context of this is? Like when we start to see what this actually means for shepherds and for sheep, we actually see a totally different picture of who God is and how cool it is of Jesus applying this to himself. When we understand how desolate and dangerous this landscape was that David's referring to, that's in his mind when he's talking about this, that's in Jesus' mind when he's applying this to himself, 
we can understand how important the shepherd's presence is to the sheep. That their security comes from the shepherd. Their lack of fear comes from who the shepherd is. Because the shepherd is with them. That's the heart of this whole psalm. I won't fear because you are with me. That's the heart of this big story of God and humanity. We can sum it up with this one word. I know that's like kind of a bold statement for all of scripture, but I really do think we're going to say, like, you're with me. You're with me. The provision, the protection, the security, the abundance of this life with God doesn't come from circumstances or us. It comes from God who is with us. And the paradox of this life with God and this life with the shepherd is that you will walk through these valleys of the shadow of death. It's not all up and to the right when you're with the shepherd. These valleys are a part of this landscape. They don't actively seek it out, but it's a part of it. It's not a matter of if you will walk through the valley. It's a matter of when you will walk through the valley. We see this language all over scripture. It's one of the reasons the prosperity gospel is very hard to make sense of for me because we just see a lot of language about hardship and trouble. This is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture from Isaiah 43. We've got verses 1 through 3. But now this is what the Lord says. God who created you, Jacob. God who formed you, Israel. Do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. It's the same movement we see happening in Psalm 23. This first person, second person. I don't fear because you are with me. You don't fear Israel because I am with you because of who I am. The sheep's security comes from the shepherd. We hear Jesus say this over and over. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And never am I going to leave you. Never will I forsake you. The reason we don't live in terror the reason we keep walking when we are in these valleys, the reason we aren't completely overcome is because God is with us. God is the shepherd who moves right into the middle of the sheep. God is the Messiah who comes into the neighborhood. God is Emmanuel who is with us. This is the story of Psalm 23. This is the story of God and humanity. I am with you. And as we live with this God who wants to live with us, we're invited into two key ways of being. The first is agency. We have agency in the valley. You get to choose whether or not you will let fear have the last word. Sometimes when we talk about do not fear, it's... It's given like, oh, just don't feel that anymore. Okay. That's like very ingrained in our biology. You will feel fear. You should feel fear. It's a, it, it's a very important emotion to feel. You will feel it. 
It's okay to feel it. And you have the agency not to let that be the, the last word for you, not to let that be the spirit that you live under. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel it. It means that you return again and again and again to the truth of the shepherd will take care of me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm choosing not to let fear, the very real fear that I feel, be the last word for me because you are with me. I trust you. I trust you. I trust that you're with me. We use our agency to return again and again to the truth that God is a good shepherd who is with us. And with our agency, out of our agency, we choose to surrender to letting the shepherd lead. We choose to letting God be the shepherd, to let God be the shepherd, and we can be the sheep. It means letting the shepherd be our security and not trying to find that in ourselves or our circumstances. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's saying there's got to be another way. Yet not what I will, but what you will. At the end of the day, I trust you to be the shepherd, even if it looks like how I don't want it to look. Even if I would do it completely differently if I were you. I don't try to run ahead. I don't try and take a shortcut. I don't try and fight you the entire way telling you you should go a different way. I trust you to be the shepherd, even in this, even in the midst of this valley of the shadow of death. And the very act of surrender requires agency. If I don't have agency to surrender, it's if I don't have agency, I can't surrender. I'm, I'm subjugated if I don't have agency. It's subjection. I don't have to choose to surrender to the shepherd. The shepherd is not going to break my legs so that I surrender. The shepherd is going to lead and take care of me, and I can choose whether or not to follow. And we see this when Jesus connects Psalm 23 to himself. Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. In John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. It's Jesus' choice to lay down his life out of his, he surrenders out of his agency. It's our choice to trust the shepherd, no matter what, no matter what valley you find yourself in. It's your choice to trust the shepherd. It's your choice to let God lead. It's your choice not to live dominated by fear. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's a one and done choice. We're constantly choosing this. But you do have a choice here. And you do have a shepherd who is good, who is with you, 
who will never leave you or forsake you. And I want us to take these ideas into conversation with God this week. I want you to look at, do I trust you, God? We know this here. We know we should, again, but knowing about that is different than actually experiencing that. Do I trust you? How have I experienced you as a good shepherd? Are there places where you didn't do what I thought a good shepherd should do? And we can talk about that. What would it look like for me to step into the agency that you give me, God? How often do I let fear just run rampant in my mind? Fear is the dominant spirit of our age right now. There is fear everywhere. How often do I let that have the last word? Again, not that I'm not going to feel it. I'm going to feel that. And I can come back to the truth of who you are. What would surrender look like for me here? in wherever I find myself with the shepherd? What does surrender look like? How do I let you be the shepherd instead of trying to constantly wrestle that back from you? We walk through all of life, but particularly the valley of the shadow of death with both a sense of agency and a sense of surrender because we trust that God is always with us and that this shepherd can be trusted. This is a good shepherd who is going to take care of us as the sheep. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. You can use any words to describe yourself. You could use any image. And you use this one of a good shepherd. We can trust you, God, to lead us. We can trust you to provide for us. We can trust you to care for us. We can trust you to protect us. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with us. And Lord, you know that this is hard. It's hard for us to trust you. And you're so gracious and kind in that. And I ask for a sense of your presence with us, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to experience you as the shepherd who moves into the middle of the sheep. You're never far. We never have to get to you. You are always with us. Thank you. Amen.